but I really have to work with my business partners and clinicians for them to either say to me, or if I introduce something to them, is to say, here is the value that you will get from it. and welcome to a live episode of the Better Care Podcast, where we tell the stories of clinicians, healthcare leaders, and innovators who are improving the way clinicians work and deliver care. I'm Spencer Holloman. I'm the SVP of Marketing and Evidence Care, and I'm so excited for you to get to hear from Evidence Care's Amy Deaton in Orlando Health's Novelette Mattis. Novelette is our esteemed guest for this episode, and she's the SVP and Chief Digital and Information Officer at Orlando Health where she provides executive leadership on all things information technology. She was previously at Ascension Health in St. Louis and also UNC Rex Healthcare in Raleigh. She's also held leadership positions at other technology companies, and I think she's gonna share a little bit about her career journey with us today. She earned her bachelor's in business administration from Howard University and an MBA from George Washington University. Lastly, she is a certified healthcare CIO through the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, also known as Chennai. Uh, for those listening live, if you do have any questions during this interview, feel free to submit them in the Q&A tab on the right, and we'll try to leave some time at the end for answering some of those. Thanks again for being here. Amy, the stage is all yours. Thanks for the introduction, Spencer, and thank you again, Navlat, for taking time to share the mic with me today. I'm going to continue to brag on you with one more. Um, Navlat is also an Orbi Award winner and recognizing her technology leadership. And with that, personally, I love seeing women and minorities uh, excelling in technology. And as Spencer mentioned, we'd love to learn more about your journey to becoming a CDIO at Orlando Health. Welcome today, and Navlet, if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about your journey. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me and for inviting me to speak with you. And I do actually today, as we're speaking, it's, you know, Black History Month. And so um, I, I am very honored to be speaking to you at this time. And I'm talking about my journey, as you mentioned, um, as, as Spencer mentioned, I am from Jamaica. And my journey started when I actually came to Howard University thinking I was going to study fashion design. You know, I was always into fashion. I love clothes and all that stuff. I probably wanted to be a shopper. But anyway, my journey started there. I came to Howard in the School of Human Ecology. And I literally was fresh off the boat, probably from Jamaica. And somewhere, somehow, through, um, you know, lost in translation, I went over to the School of Business because I thought I was going to register for a typing class, and my major was changed to Management Information Systems, and that's how my journey in computer programming started. I went there, and through that mistake, I realized that I had a passion for solving problems, and that came in the form of writing computer programs and debugging them. So the next thing I know, I got a bachelor's in management information systems. I was hired by um, AT&T. I was recruited right out of college, started with AT&T, went through their initial designer training and wrote code for billing systems. And then starting at AT&T, I started moving up in the management rank. I guess somehow they recognized that I had some leadership skills also. And so my leadership journey actually started with AT&T. Then I went to Lucent, then Dell, and while I was at Dell, um, Dell was putting me in different accounts, and I ended up in um, at a healthcare system in um, Austin, Texas. And 
that's where I fell in love with healthcare because I was doing different things. As I said, writing systems and programs and, you know, school systems or any other systems. And I ended up in healthcare and fell in love with the healthcare sector because I really finally realized how my degree and the work that I did, it was contributing to to lives, to real lives, real purpose. So that's how my journey began and that's how I got into healthcare and healthcare IT. Uh, then of course, from there real quickly, you know, I uh, started with at and the next thing I know, I got recruited to be a CIO at the UNC system at Rex Healthcare in North Carolina. And then from there, I went back to Ascension Health and now I'm at Orlando Health. That's an amazing story. And I, and I didn't plan this. And um, I have to say, our journeys are very similar. I too was a graduate um, from the School of Human Ecology. And I too was also um, majoring in consumerism and retail and also went almost went to the buyer path, but somehow just like you um, navigated towards technology. So very similar parallels and, and that's such a funny coincidence. So thank wow. you for sharing that. Wow. Small world. Yes. Um, well, I want to continue to uh, share some accolades about Orlando Health and, and you, Novlet. I was at Chimefall Forum and you guys received a great honor. Congratulations because Orlando Health achieved level 10 of most wired designation. That's a very impressive cohort. And that really shows the exceptional commitment that you and Orlando Health have made towards a digital strategy. With all that said, can you share some examples of how you and your organization are leaning into technology to improve patient outcome and patient care? Yes. I came to Orlando Health about six years ago, and when I came, it was pretty big um, ask of me for the organization because I came into a system that had a lot of what is called technical debt. We had a very, you know, older system. It wasn't modernized. It wasn't being kept up, and we had unstable EMRs and a number of them disparate and unstable EMRs and systems. So the big task of me coming in it was to, you know, do something about that, stabilize the environment and then rip and replace everything. Um, so that's where that journey started, um, where we spent time, you know, looking overall at ensuring that we could invest in the infrastructure because you're really even before we go out and get a new system to replace all of the disparate systems we needed solid infrastructure so we built the business case and we modernized our infrastructure and then we did acquire epic and implemented epic as a comprehensive health record and as a foundational system on which we can get our data and we can get to all of our systems and then take a platform approach to digitize where we can put other products on top working with Epic to really get to a digital place where we can differentiate ourselves in the market and also innovate. So with a very stable infrastructure, with having a platform approach with Epic, and we also worked with one of our local company on a digital front door, and now we're actually working with Evidence Care. You know, I've been very uh, transparent here. Evidence Care, we're also working to implement your product on a platform that will also help us to really put products in that our clinicians and our administrators can use to achieve outcomes. And so when Chime 
as you mentioned, was able to recognize us with level 10 for both acute and ambulatory. Epic also um, recognized us for their 10 gold stars two years. Congratulations. We also received, same period of time, HIMS level seven, the highest level, um, for their MRAM. So all of that investment in the, the technologies, digital technologies and information technologies, and also in our people, the skills that we needed, and then collaborating across the enterprise with all our stakeholders to adopt the technologies that we put in and the digital capabilities that we gave them. All of those overall allowed us to achieve those accolades. But it's really, you know, getting those accolades are great. You know, we who wouldn't want them, but the fact that our clinicians and our patients now are using the capabilities and are on this digital journey with us, it's great. Uh, some examples, and which probably you're going to ask me, are some of the ways that we're digitally engaging our patients are through virtual visits, like everybody else. But we are what we are also beginning to use is the AI capabilities, where our in a virtual visit, a physician can you know render up, you know, can say, "Hey, Epic," or "Hey, Ellie," or something, and you know they can get to the the record, and you know verbally through prompts bring up documents and speak to the patients. Our patients themselves can digitally schedule their appointments. All right, they can pay their bills. You know, we also um, using other technologies like Viz AI that are doing stroke, are like really looking for um, patients who may come in to do imaging and the next thing it can do is predict a stroke. So those are some of the ways that we're engaging and treating our patients uh, making it easy for physicians and our patients, and we are actually achieving outcomes. Well, that's so great to hear, and thank you. You you saved me from having to ask about AI. Would you really be a tech podcast if we didn't touch on AI and sharing <laughs> sharing that? Um, again, so impressive with the investment that your organization and you have put into building that technical foundation to do that digital transformation. So you touched on some of the initiatives and some of the partnerships. And of course, here at Evidence Care, we do appreciate um, a partnership with innovative organization like Orlando Health. Both you and I recognize with that type of investment across the board in digital doesn't come without some challenges. So on the flip side of that, Navlet, what are some of the challenges you're seeing and what keeps you up at night? Uh, as you said, of course, we got great results, but it did not come easy. Three that I could probably think of is, you know, we can hand all of our clinicians and our administrators the best products, but we really have to help them to adapt to it. So change management is not easy because they are used to doing things a certain way. And when we're saying, okay, now do it this way with this new tool, we really have to work hand in hand with them to adopt it, you know, optimally. Uh, the second one um, that everybody is, in, in my case, that keeps us up at night is cybersecurity. You know, we have all these systems and we have all of our um, team members using emails and we have different, uh, what we call, what the, the industry call, you know, we have different threat vectors email being one of them. So we always have to be staying vigilant and alert to ensure that we stay secure and um, safe from cyber attacks. And if we do get one, then we also have to prepare the organization from a resiliency perspective to be able to continue operations. Um, so those are two. And then the third one is, 
you know, the industry is rife with all kinds of technology companies saying, hey, try our products, let's do this. Or physicians go to conferences or administrators go to conferences, they see a new product and, hey, have you tried this new AI product? And so we have to continue to be open and learn about what others are doing, but we also have to stay the course with our foundation and make sure we'll leverage those optimally. So it's just always, you know, a push and a pull for us to be open, innovative while we stay focused. Sure. I, and I want to pull the thread a little bit on on that response. And we see this at a lot of health systems, and I'm sure everybody can relate to that t- natural tension, right? Be innovative, but also be mindful of costs and distractions and change. How do you guys approach some of the prioritization of evaluating partners, especially new technology that integrates with your core systems? It, it really starts with what is the outcome? What is the expected value? of what it is that you know we're 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 doing whether it's a use case running a new use case through our existing platform or buying and acquiring a new technology we really have to start with the business case and business means our end users find value in this i can always go out and go you know get upgrade my cisco platform or something that's on my end for my technologies but i really have to work with my business partners and clinicians for them to either say to me or if i introduce something to them is to say here is the value that you will get from it here is how evidence care will optimize your process so that when a patient enters the ed all the way to dropping a bill you you save time and you get great documentation and you can collect, you know, because when you send your bill to a pay or send the, the records to your payers, it is accurate. So we have to be able to either convince the, the, um, the clinicians that it's going to be a value to them or they have to come to us and work with us on the business case that I can take to my CFO to say, fund this project and all make this a priority. So those are some of the things we have to do. We really have to have that discipline. We cannot go after every shiny toy. We have to know the outcome. We have to know the value. Absolutely. And obviously we partner in that. And so it's not just a great demo that piques an end user's interest in a in a piece of technology or feature, but it's also able to quantify that value so that you can tell that ROI proposition. So thank you for sharing that. You talked about people a little bit, and this question came in through LinkedIn. How do you invest in your people and that innovation culture that has made you guys so successful? You know, I mentioned the fact that we stay the course, so we're not so old school that, hey, if Epic doesn't do it, we're not doing it, right? Or, you know, we are, no, you cannot go to this conference or that conference. One of the things that I did when I transformed the IT organization, the organization structure, I, I, I pretty much separated the teams into the team that is running and maintaining, you know, our foundational systems, the team that is transforming and growing. So when we were implementing Epic, that was a major transformation and we were using that to grow, not just our IT portfolio, but grow the business. And then I had a third team that was focused on innovation and that that was the beginning of our digital journey because we said, hey, we're going to innovate. We will try either new use cases through our existing platform or we'll enter into new relationships like with evidence care. But what we kept to as a principle of let's do proof of, let's do the business case. 
let's do proof of concepts through use cases or we start small, start at one hospital versus going in and trying to scale across all of our hospitals. And then let's look at our stage gates to say, how did this proof of concept or how did this pilot perform? Did we get the outcomes? And oh, by the way, it's okay to fail. Right. If the pilot right. goes, it's okay. We're not immediately going to say, oh my God, this was a waste of time. So we had to make sure we had the right people who were working on in the innovation space who were okay with failure, who were okay with something not working the way they thought it should work, or the, you know, the thesis did not prove out, or also that, you know, they would be creative to try something different. And so we really went after some of the people. We put the right people in the right seats, whether you are the kind of person who you like the stability of run and maintain, or you like the late nights and the long hours of transforming and growing and grinding, or you like you know just being creative and innovative. So we really try to match the right people in and, and get a lot of the work done. And we also, of course, have governance because we will never be able to do to satisfy the demands of the organizations and the demands of our vendors to try different things. So we do have some governance in there too. I love that you're embracing this idea of failing fast in in, in the way you operationalize that because I always think of, you know, some people define it as a failure and some will say this is an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Don't invest a ton into an initiative and not know what the results are gonna be. And so this just educates the process moving forward. So I, I love that you guys are embracing that culture. I could spend all day chatting with you, but I know our, our time is coming to a close soon. I did want uh, you to share some of your advice. Uh, I know you're an inspiration to a lot of folks, not just in technology, but as a leader in this very important um, healthcare and digital space. How would you uh, share some advice or what would you share about your journey or somebody who's thinking about um, becoming a CDIO or a leader? You know, when I started, things were very different. Like I said, at and recruited me straight out of college and he put me through a designer training and it was actually a pass fire um, program that I was in. I had to pass different stages of writing programs to get to where I would be put on the floor, you know, and I got a raise. So that was kind of how it was a few decades ago, um, it's aging myself here. But now for kids coming out of college or even high school kids, because everybody doesn't have to take that traditional route anymore and go to college like you and I did, you know, you might have a really bright kid who says, you know what, I just love programming and I'm going to hack and I'm just going to learn coding. Or they go to the community college or vocational school um, and they're like, they did a cybersecurity class get an internship. I would encourage them to start with an internship um, at Orlando Health in our IT and now in our supply chain, because that's another responsibility that I have in addition to um, IT. You know, we have a really good internship program and we get kids from high school and from colleges and different areas who come in and they get a sense of all the areas into IT they could do, whether it's traditional coding or, you know, integrating or working on Epic or working on data and analytics or even working on contracting and sourcing, you know, how do you do IT contracts? And so they can make their help desk. I have clinical engineering. So get an internship and take a look at all the areas that are in healthcare IT. And then you can decide, oh, this is one that I'm passionate about. 
right? And then you can focus in on that. So that's one thing I really um, would advise folks to do, just get in touch with, you know, your local hospital. And the second one that I would say, especially as you hear the different generations, your millennials versus your Gen Zs or your Gen Xers, is always be mindful of your personal skills because you could be great at what you do. You could be the best coder, but you also have to manage those relationships with your stakeholders. Again, because you can create the best, sexiest, greatest things in sliced bread. But if you cannot convince somebody to adopt it or use it, it's going to fail. And so those are the two things I could give you a bunch more, but I would, you know, give up those two gems in the interest of time. Some uh, beautiful uh, pearls of advice from you, Navlet, and in your role at CDIO, I am sure that your interpersonal skills are always at work because you are uh, having to manage a lot of stakeholders. So um, I'm sure you can share a lot of more real world experience. I also appreciate you and Orlando Health investing in our next generation of leaders by offering real world experience and internships, because I think that's a great opportunity for folks to learn about the industry that we work in. Thank you again. Um, I appreciate the time uh, that you've spent with me today. I've learned a lot uh, about your journey. And again, thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. And I learned that we there's actually somebody like me who started our journey the same way. How many kids nowadays know what human ecology is, right? Uh, I know. Great to hear. So that's another way we connected. And that's what networking does. So thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. Talk again soon. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Better Care Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform. Additionally, your ratings and reviews are invaluable in helping us reach a wider audience. Please consider leaving a review. And if you do, email us a screenshot at marketing at evidence.care and we'll send you a thank you gift. For access to exclusive content and further healthcare insights created by Evidence Care, please visit evidence.care slash better care podcasts and subscribe to our email list. We appreciate your support and look forward to connecting.